In the modern day, only one species of human remains. This is normal to us, but historically it is unusual. For millions of years, many different species roamed our planet. There was once a large diversity from people the size of children to small-brained tree climbers. Today I will be talking about every known species individually and how many there were throughout history. But before we talk about these species, let's briefly talk about what exactly a species is. Most people are familiar with the biological species concept. The concept that if two individuals can successfully interbreed and produce fertile offspring, then they are part of the same species. But there are a number of important problems with this definition. It is not always so cut and dry. Lions and tigers are obviously very different animals. There are major phenotypic and genotypic differences between the two species. However, lions and tigers are known to interbreed in the wild and in captivity to produce hybrids. Though they are not always the most fertile, they can produce perfectly viable offspring. Even their hybrid offspring, ligers and tigons, can mate with one another to produce fly tigons. So the biological species concept has significant problems especially with closely related animals. Another major problem with the concept is that it is nearly impossible to apply to fossil remains, asexually reproducing organisms, and species that freely hybridize. Because of these reasons, many other definitions of a species are used. Which one is used is dependent on the information and data available about an organism. Up to 26 definitions are used. I have included a link in the description. The concept of a species is so complicated and not cut and dry because nature is fluid and is not always able to be thrown into some rigid classification system. It is important to know this when thinking about human evolution because there is a constant debate over whether certain remains belong to one species or the other. Due to such limited remains, this is just the nature of the field. Now, let's finally talk about all the species of human that we currently know existed. First, let us go back to the origin of our genus, when the first humans evolved. The oldest fossil that has been attributed to the genus Homo is 2.8 million years old. The jaw has a menagerie of traits seen in Australopithecines and early Homo. But with such little evidence it is hard to tell if it could be considered the first human. In reality, there was no singular first human. It was a gradient, a flowing stream of mutations that led to the first species we consider human. That species would be considered Homo habilis. Our oldest fossil of habilis is around 2.3 million years old, though it is thought the species may have first evolved around 2.5 million years ago. These hominins are considered the first humans for a few reasons. They had on average 40% bigger brains than their Australopithecine predecessors. They are the first to make truly complex, Oldowan-style tools and overall had a much more human morphology. These qualities have been enough for many to classify them as the first human species. They are quite small and would have appeared very ape-like to us. In fact, their remains tell us that though they could walk upright, they spent a considerable amount of time in the trees. This was likely because they lived in a dangerous world full of predators. 
Many consider habilis to be the ancestors to all later species of humans. However, even if a group of habilis evolved into more derived species, habilis as a whole remained until around 1.5 million years ago. The next species of human appearing in the fossil record was Homo rudolfensis. It appeared about the same time habilis appeared, although our incomplete remains make the exact timing enigmatic. It is a mystery what relation this species shares to the others, with it sometimes even being considered an Australopithecine. However, it is largely considered to be descended from Homo habilis, or at least very closely related. It was significantly larger than habilis and had a 20% larger brain. It would seem like Rudolfensis was a prime candidate for a direct human ancestor, but this does not seem to be the case. It still had a number of archaic traits and is generally regarded as an offshoot on the human line. The next species to evolve was Homo ergaster, around 2 million years ago. This species was the ancestor of about all later species and very important in human evolution. They are often subsumed into the species Homo erectus as one species. This is an ongoing and unresolved dispute in paleoanthropology. Regardless, they were certainly the ancestors of Erectus and therefore were very important. They are much larger than their predecessors being around the same size as modern humans. Their most important legacy is the tools they made. They inherited the Oldowan tool industry from their predecessors. But by about 1.6 million years ago, they began taking much more flakes off their tools and in turn created the Acheulean tool industry. These tools were a distinctive oval and pear shape. They may look relatively simple, but they are actually very hard to produce. The more refined bifacial shape made their hand axes more efficient and in turn helped them survive. As mentioned earlier, Homo ergaster is often considered a subset or subspecies of the species Homo erectus. They are the first lineages of Erectus to appear and therefore are the most basal, or in other words, the most primitive. The species Homo erectus actually has many subspecies and they are really the only human species to have their own subspecies. This is because they were some of the first humans to leave Africa and really thrive throughout the world. Being so geographically isolated, a lot of diversity formed in the species. This has caused them to currently have as much as nine subspecies. However, besides Ergaster, these subspecies are hardly mentioned. It is easier to consider all hominins to be Erectus that are more advanced than Habilis and less derived than later Middle Pleistocene forms. Homo erectus itself was one of the most important human species to ever exist. It spread around much of the old world and even crossed large expanses of water to reach multiple islands. They are credited with creating many technologies such as controlled use of fire, clothing, spears, constructed dwellings, and even art. They were able to do all these new and amazing things because they had larger brains than any prior hominin. The average brain size across the species was around 1,000 cubic centimeters. However, much smaller brain specimens have been found in Georgia where the subspecies Homo erectus georgicus lived. These individuals only had an average brain size of 600 cubic centimeters. Even some Homo habilis had larger brains than them. 
Later surviving Homo erectus, such as populations living in Java, had brains similar in size to those of modern humans. One skull measured 1,250 cubic centimeters, while the average modern human male has a brain size of 1,270 cubic centimeters. This is very impressive, though these individuals lived around 100,000 years ago when other large-brained hominins had become common. Overall, Homo erectus is so notable because it was the first human species to do many things, and the first to be so widespread. It is also ancestral to nearly all other future hominins. The next species to diverge from erectus was Homo antecessor. This species occupied Western Europe as far back as 1.2 million years ago. Despite how their name sounds, they are not thought to be the ancestors of modern humans or even Neanderthals. Instead, it is currently thought that they are an evolutionary offshoot, a lineage of hominins that died out and probably contributed little to future species. They had a complex array of primitive and advanced features. Their technology was quite simple and they don't seem very remarkable. They would disappear right before the Middle Pleistocene around 800,000 years ago. After this point, human evolution gets very complicated. And this is because of our old friend Erectus. Since they were living all over the world in different environments with different challenges, eventually other species would begin to form. This happened in the Middle Pleistocene a time period paleoanthropologists have often referred to as the muddle in the middle. It is so confusing because remains are limited and different hominins live concurrently and were relatively similar. Homo heidelbergensis were the next successors of Erectus. They evolved around 600,000 years ago. In the past, Homo heidelbergensis meant basically all of the derived hominins that lived throughout Africa, Europe, and parts of Asia during the Middle Pleistocene. But recently, it has largely been reclassified to only mean the hominins of Europe during this time. Regardless, heidelbergensis was still a very notable species as they are the ancestors of the Neanderthals. They were much more advanced than the previous Erectus basically doing everything they did, but better. Their hand axes were much more advanced than seen before. Examples from the Boxgrove site in England are particularly exceptional. Anyone with flint napping experience knows how hard it can be to produce tools like these. Besides stone tools, they also worked wood in advanced ways. They made complicated spears which could be thrown up to 35 meters or 115 feet. They also made throwing sticks and thrusting spears. Besides material culture, we have also found evidence that suggests that they coordinated their hunts in new ways and may have been the first hominins with a true language. They were able to do all this because of course they had a larger brain than their predecessors. Their brain volume was anywhere between 1100 and 1390 cubic centimeters, though they averaged around 1200 cubic centimeters. This is comparable to Erectus, but their average was much higher. They were similar in size to other species, but were quite stocky. The next species of hominin we should talk about is Homo bodoensis. They were the main Middle Pleistocene hominins of Africa.
At one point they were considered to be Homo rhodesiensis and then classified as Homo heidelbergensis. Now they may be reclassified once more as the new term Homo bodoensis. If this term will be widely used in paleoanthropology, we do not know yet. Regardless, these hominins were different from their cousins to the north. They were less stocky and had many traits we see in modern humans. This is because they are thought to be our direct ancestors. They were doing a lot of the same things the ancestors of Neanderthals were doing, but in some ways they differed. Generally, their technology was a little more advanced. A major way they differed is some groups were hafting stone points around 500,000 years ago. This is the oldest evidence of hafting technology and it tells us that these hominins were very advanced for the time. This technology may have been more widespread than we currently know. As of now, evidence of hafting begins to appear much later around the time of our own species. Overall, Homo bodoensis was a very important human species because they are literally the ancestors of you and I. Towards the end of the Middle Pleistocene around 300,000 years ago, multiple distinct species would appear. Since they all appeared at relatively the same time, I will be talking about them going west to east. Neanderthals or Homo neanderthalensis were the first to appear. They were stockier and generally shorter than their Heidelbergensis ancestors. They also had bigger brains and much more complex technology. During their existence, they pioneered two stone tool industries. For those unaware, a stone tool industry or techno-complex was a series of techniques used to create stone tools. They were used to classify the types of tools being made and how they were made. The Neanderthals and our own ancestors both created the Levelois tool industry around 300,000 years ago. This industry was the most advanced of its time. With it, they were able to produce sharp tools and deadly points for hunting. The Neanderthals would continue their innovative ways as their technology evolved into the more advanced Mousterian industry around 160,000 years ago. At this time, they had the most complicated stoneworking technology on Earth. Although our ancestors did make similar tools where our range overlapped with Neanderthals in the Levant. The idea that our species was always way more advanced than Neanderthals is just simply untrue. At this time, our species was doing very similar things to the Neanderthals and often Neanderthals were the ones making more complex technology. The tide would not start to turn until about 100,000 years ago. Our species appeared at around the same time as the Neanderthals, though likely a little later. As mentioned earlier, we evolved from Bodoensis or Rhodesiensis slash Heidelbergensis around 300,000 years ago. Regardless of the current naming dilemma, the remains are still the same. But from our limited remains, it is hard to tell which are evolutionary offshoots or direct ancestors. Whatever the case, the first anatomically modern humans appeared during this time. Their morphology is characterized by a few things. First of all, a taller, more rounded brain case. Secondly, lightly built skeletons. 
It is hypothesized that these two adaptations reflect a parallel mechanism in human evolution. Without diving too far into it, as our brains grew, our bodies reduced in muscular strength. This has been connected to a change in behavior, including increased cooperation and resource transport. Our unique brains and cracile builds made us the weird hominins of the Middle Pleistocene. Most all other hominins were very well muscled with different shaped brains. Our brains were not necessarily bigger than other species, but it is thought that they were organized in a more advanced way. The earliest populations of sapiens originated in the East and South Africa. Pretty much all of Africa became inhabited and some populations moved into the Middle East. Sapiens would not truly begin to leave Africa and expand until around 100,000 years ago. But before then, Homo sapiens were not the only other hominins living in Africa. The very strange Homo naledi also called Southern Africa home. These hominins have a mosaic of advanced and archaic traits. They shared several characteristics with Australopithecines as well as more advanced features. Their brain was only between 460 and 610 cubic centimeters. This is much smaller than the over 1200 cubic centimeter brain volume of our ancestors that lived alongside them. Though their brain was much smaller, its structure was contemporary to derived homo which suggests intelligence. In addition to their brain, they were quite small, only being around 143 centimeters and weighing 39 kilograms. They were able to travel long distances and had a human-like gait, but their anatomy suggests that they were better at climbing trees than endurance running. Their long survival amidst bigger brain hominins changes our previous ideas about human evolution and the thought that a larger brain would necessarily provide an evolutionary advantage. These seemingly primitive features have led researchers to believe that Homo naledi branched off early from Homo habilis or is the result of Australopithecines mating with early Homo. Their teeth indicate that they ate a lot of plants and they may be associated with tools, however this remains enigmatic. One of the most fascinating aspects about this species is where their remains were found. Their initial discovery was made in a cave in 2013. Their remains consisted of 1,500 specimens of at least 15 different individuals. The relative completeness of their remains without signs of predation have led many to suggest that they may have been buried in this cave. It would not have been accessible by large predators and there is no evidence that these individuals died to a flood or cave-in. The remains are also of different ages suggesting that they are deposited at much different times. It is still heavily debated if you could consider these remains a burial but interesting nonetheless. Homo naledi may have ranged all over South Africa, but to what extent we currently do not know. Homo naledi is an example of how much more there is to learn about human evolution. And before you suggest Bigfoot, there is no physical remains of such a creature, nor was Gigantopithecus bipedal or related to any such hominin. Isn't it wild that by saying this I actually just pissed a probably large amount of people off? I will continue to promote the notion that Bigfoot belief is a cult. Anyways, 
we have covered the hominins of 300,000 years ago in Europe and Africa. Time to move east. Here the Denisovans roamed. The Denisovans are currently known from very few remains, but fortunately we do have DNA evidence. From this, we have been able to tell that they were very similar to Neanderthals. We currently only have two confirmed places where they have been found. Both are caves located in Asia. The true extent of their range is unknown, but hypothesized to encompass most of Asia and even deep into Southeast Asia. They appeared roughly 300,000 years ago, likely descending from Asian Homo erectus. Some older findings may represent the Denisovan line, but human evolution in Asia is poorly understood. Another recent discovery that makes this even more complicated is Homo longi or Dragon Man. This new species was described by a single nearly complete skull. The original describers of this species postulated it may be a Denisovan skull, but this is unconfirmed and no DNA evidence is currently available. We do not have a skull from our Denisovan remains, but we do have a lower jaw. This jaw was compared to the skull of Homo longi and notable similarities were found. This may very well be the skull of a Denisovan. If conclusively proven, Homo longi may be the new name of Denisovans or possibly Homo Denisova. Homo longi has a brain volume of 1420 cubic centimeters. This is large, although it is not very surprising as it is in the range for modern humans and Neanderthals. Whether Denisovans and Homo longi should be classified in the same species is currently enigmatic. Whatever the case, these hominins were both more similar to Neanderthals than modern humans. They may have even had a recent common ancestor with Neanderthals around 500,000 years ago. The next species we are going to be talking about comes from Southeast Asia, specifically the island of Flores. Here the hobbit-sized Homo floresiensis lived from around 190,000 to 50,000 years ago. They might have lived for much longer than this, though we do not currently know. These hominins were perhaps the most unique of all human species. They were tiny. They stood only a little over a meter tall and weighed about 25 kilograms. This is about 30% smaller than even females from the smallest populations of modern humans. Their skulls were small and their brains were only around 380 cubic centimeters. This is in the range of chimpanzees and extinct Australopithecines. Though their brain was small, they still had a relatively large prefrontal cortex and Broadman area 10. Evidence of tools, butchering, and fire also tell us that they were quite intelligent. Their postcranial remains have a number of strange features similar to those of Australopithecines and early Homo. These hominins are thought to have evolved from an early migration of Erectus that made it to the island around one million years ago. Flores has always been an island. This suggests that the Erectus had to either swim or create some type of flotation device. Either way, this is very impressive. On the island, there were giant storks, monstrous Komodo dragons, and even tiny elephants. 
These animals were of such weird size because of an evolutionary phenomenon called insular dwarfism and insular gigantism. On islands, larger animals typically get smaller due to a lack of resources, and smaller animals typically get larger often due to a lack of predators. Homo floresiensis likely got so small because of a lack of resources and no evolutionary pressure to remain large. These hominins existed on this island until around 50,000 years ago. It is thought sapiens may have outcompeted them, though they may have already been extinct by the time our species got there. The last actual human species we are going to be talking about is Homo luzonensis. This species called the island of Luzon home and was similar to Homo floresiensis. Hominins first arrived on the island around 750,000 years ago and would have had to make a substantial sea crossing to do so. The evidence for these hominins comes in the forms of tools rather than remains. Their ancestors were likely Homo erectus, just as is thought to be the case with Floresiensis. Our oldest remains of Luzonensis are only 67,000 years old. This means there is about a 700,000 year period where hominins existed on the island that we do not have fossils for. This is an example of how hard it can be to try to paint a picture of human evolution. It is a very significant amount of time, but currently we are left in the dark. Homo luzonensis itself is known from fragmentary remains. They are quite small, but their actual size remains unknown. Their teeth have shown us a complex array of traits similar to those of early Homo and Australopithecines. Their limb bones also have many Australopithecine-like aspects that may have been interpreted as adaptations for tree climbing. Their Australopithecine-like aspects are interpreted as convergent evolution rather than recently shared common ancestry. Luzonensis was a very capable hominin as butchered remains of rhino, stegodon, deer, and turtles have been found. Their tools were not very advanced, nor primitive. Overall, there seems to be a lot more we have to learn about this hominin. We have covered every species of human that are currently considered valid. There are remains of other proposed species that I will briefly talk about. Homo sepranensis is a single skullcap from Italy which likely belongs to Heidelbergensis. Penghu-1 is a fossil jaw that has been proposed as a species, but is likely a Homo erectus or Denisovan. Recently, a skull fragment and lower jaw from the Nesher-Ramla site may provide us with a new species, however the skull may belong to a Neanderthal or Denisovan relative. Homo gatengensis is a name proposed for South African hominin remains that are otherwise associated with Habilis or Ergaster. Homo sapiens Idaltu, or Herto man, was once considered a subspecies of Homo sapien, but is now regarded as an early modern human. The last possible species could be of the remains of the Red Deer cave people. They were an archaic human population living in China until only around 11,500 years ago. They may be a very ancient lineage of Homo sapien that moved into the area around 100,000 years ago or they may be the result of modern humans mating with Denisovans or just anatomically modern humans with a really unique morphology. 
No DNA evidence has been able to be extracted and their relations to other species remains enigmatic. All of these remains mentioned will in all likelihood not deserve a classification. The original question of this video was, how many species were there? Currently, it would be most reasonable to say 13. This number will likely change based on further discoveries, mainly in Asia. If Homo longi and Denisovans are considered different species, then we would have 14 species, though I am hesitant to suggest this. Again, future discoveries will certainly change this number. I get a lot of curious comments about when the most different human species were living around the world concurrently. I think there are two answers to this question. Perhaps early on in human evolution when Habilis, Rudolfensis, Erectus, and Ergaster lived. But it would more likely be in the last 300,000 years when Neanderthals, modern humans, Denisovans, Homo erectus, Homo naledi, Homo floresiensis, and Homo luzonensis lived. There may even be other species alive at this time, including Laetidalbergensis and Homo longi. It must have been a fascinating time. It is interesting to look at the range of all these hominins and compare it to the range of humans in the past few thousand years. You know, I am not much of a bragger, but since it is our whole species, I must say that we are pretty awesome. In a relatively short amount of time, we made this entire planet ours. Though, of course, we wouldn't be here without our ancestors. So thanks to all the millions of hominins from our distant past. I would hope some of you would be happy with our relatively easy lives, long lifespans, extensive healthcare, unlimited food, and wonderful art. Thanks for watching. Make sure to like and subscribe, it really helps out the channel. Check out my Instagram and comment some video ideas down below. I make videos about history of humans, ancient animals, and the occasional full-length documentary. If that sounds interesting, check out the over 100 videos I have made. Well, I'll see you on the next episode of North O2. See ya.